0: Welcome to History and D&D. In the last episode, I took a series of events from the real world and showed how to adapt them into a D&D campaign. This time, I'll talk about Dragonlance, how it was created, and how it evolved. Newly hired TSR employees, Tracy and Laura Hickman, conceived of a campaign world dominated by dragons. It began when they were running a small press called Daystar West Media, and they got hired by the company that made Dungeons & Dragons. During this period, they had begun discussing an adventure called Eye of the Dragon, which brought dragons more prominently into the game. In 1982, the couple was driving from Salt Lake City to their new job at TSR in Wisconsin, and they came up with the concept and overview of what they would call Project Overlord. When they met with the brass at TSR, they were asked to create a campaign setting about dragons, so they assembled a team for this project that included Larry Elmore, Jeff Grubb, and Harold Johnson. The Hickman's idea was a series of adventure modules called the Dragonlance Chronicles. They shared the idea with artist Larry Elmore, who was excited by it and immediately produced concept art. Tracy pitched the idea of a multimedia sub-franchise to TSR. The idea included tie-in products like books, war games, novels, miniatures, and short stories in Dragon Magazine. TSR liked the idea so much, they put a whole team on it. Tracy convinced fellow employee and editor, Margaret Weiss, to help write the novels. The first adventure module, Dragons of Despair, and the first novel, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, were released in 1984. Random House, the publisher of the novels, was convinced the books wouldn't sell. So TSR put a page count limit to keep the price down. Apparently, Margaret Weiss has stated that there is a manuscript somewhere for Dragons of Autumn Twilight that is three times longer. Larry Elmore, who drew early art for the project, drew the character with gold skin and hourglass-shaped irises. This led the authors of the novel to create in-story reasons for the look. Doing so created a snowball of plot and themes. Raeslin looked different from his twin brother because he was sickly and had to sacrifice more of his health to gain magic power. This led to the idea that Raeslin was ambitious while Karamon smothered him. Also, the sacrifice he made was in a test to be admitted to a magical community, community located at the Towers of High Sorcery. This idea fleshed out the world with a kind of magic guild, and many things in the world would be affected by the fact that such a group existed. For instance, this is likely where the idea of the three moons that orbit the world came from, as each of them represents a different order in the conclave of wizards and a different god of magic. The rudimentary multimedia campaign included adventure modules, guidebooks, miniatures, calendars, puzzles, maps, novels, and magazine articles. By 1987, the campaign book came out. This was followed over the many years later by box sets, video games, board games, crossovers, Comic books, game books, coffee table books, an animated movie, collector cards, posters, clothing, and more. After several product lines had been created, the setting became one of the big three. Greyhawk, Gary Gygax's original setting and the default for most of the early Dungeons & Dragons adventures. Dragonlance, the world of epic stories and for a long time the most widely known by those who may not even have played or knew of Dungeons & Dragons and the Forgotten Realms, the youngest of the three, but one that would continually gain momentum and propel it beyond the other two to become both the default campaign setting and the most widely known by a general audience. But by the mid-90s, the camp company that produced d d would fall on hard financial times and make some poor decisions. I outlined this in my early episodes. Some of these bad decisions would directly affect Dragonlance. Going back to the beginning of the story, there was a pretty cool innovation that would both propel Dragonlance into success, but also hold it back later. That was the idea that everything was synergized. This meant novels, adventures, comics, and everything else was pretty tied to canon. The most important aspect of this were the modules. The adventure began with DL1, Dragons of Despair, in 1984, and continued through to DL14, Dragons of Triumph in 1986. The three novels of the first trilogy that made up the Chronicles followed the plot of the modules. The modules were created first and played by the team at TSR, at which point Weiss and Hickman used the playtesting to write the novels. This meant that the story was fleshed out by a collaborative team and improved by the writers of the novels. It also meant that the story was pretty sunk into the foundation of the campaign setting, this had a positive effect early on, because the novels created intimate familiarity with the setting, but later, I think it bogged it down in details. I loved Dragonlance, and always wanted to play in that setting, but it always felt like I'd either have to run the game and have the players be the companions in those DL1-14 adventures, hoping they didn't know the story already. There were two other possibilities. Run a game with other characters in a separate adventure during the War of the Lance run with other characters before or after the war. Running the first 14 adventures and retreading the Chronicles trilogy never really appealed to me, because I'd already read the books, and they were perfect for the setting in my opinion. Running with other characters concurrent to the Heroes of the Lance didn't appeal to me because they'd either be outshone by the companions or outshine them. The latter would change the outcome of the war in canon itself, while the former would make the players feel like also-rans. And running a game set before or after the war had its own sets of problems with canon. I guess, for me and many others, the canon was awesome and we were loath to create an alternative CRIN. It meant that we bought the products, but were unlikely to run the game in that setting. This kind of turned Dragonlance into a bauble that was nice to look at, but not to touch. So, in my estimation, that was good for an early push to sell product for a good decade, but engagement was lower than it could have been. I just compare it to Forgotten Realms, which also had that, had novels, but these novels often took place in certain regions and could easily be ignored by dungeon masters and players. The world was huge, and you could go off adventuring, and it wouldn't be odd that a character never heard of Do'Urden or Elminster. The opposite was the case with Dragonlance. Every person on the main continent of Ancelon was constantly retelling stories about Tannis, Raceland, and the other heroes of the lands. Hard to motivate players to go out and live under that shadow. There were many people that ran their games in Dragonlance, but I think Greyhawk and later Forgotten Realms were more widely used. With the former shrinking in popularity and the latter growing, Dragonlance seemed to just keep an even keel for a while and then peter out. And like I suggested above, I think the reason for the Forgotten Realms' growth and Dragonlance's lack of it was how far from canon players and the Dungeon Master felt comfortable with. Forgotten Realms made it easier to ignore canon than Dragonlance. By the mid-90s, TSR was struggling, as I mentioned before. Due to this, Dragonlance would be altered significantly. The company mandated that it be a world constantly bombarded by epic events. So after a follow-up novel by Weiss and Hickman to the Chronicles called Dragons of Summer Flame*, the gods left the world and were soon replaced by powerful dragon overlords. This was an innovation and was tied into a new game Harold Johnson and William W. Connors had created. It would be part of a new non d fantasy game called the Saga System. The System was a role-playing game that utilized playing cards that affected fate. It was clearly influenced by the rise of Magic the Gathering. While the game sounds interesting, I was not interested in the Dragonlance 5th age and I don't think many fans were. Soon after that, TSR was acquired by Wizards of the Coast, and was transitioned away from both the Saga system and the Fifth Age. Weiss and Heckman returned to write new novels for a new age, and the setting eventually settled into the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons that was created by former TSR employees and Wiz- Wizards of the Coast. While this new edition was a popular revival for D&D, Dragonlance remained in the background. Forgotten Realms had continued to grow in popularity, and soon eclipsed both Dragonlance and Greyhawk to become both the default setting and the producer of the most popular novels. Even Eberron, a new campaign setting, became more ubiquitous than those other two. But fans did get one gem out of that era. Margaret Weiss, with the help of Don Perrin, Jamie Chambers, Christopher Cole, Tracy Hickman, and others, produced many Dragonlance products through her company, which licensed the rights including the campaign setting book for 3rd edition. It was also during this period of the 2000s that saw the release of a Dragonlance animated movie, but the less said about that the better. Matt Haig, known as Paladin, created a website called Dragon's Realm in 1996, which originally was used to discuss old AD&D gold box video games. He changed the name of the site to The Lost Citadel to reflect how his site now focused on Dragonlance fandom. He eventually spun that off into a site called The World of Kryn in 1997. Back in 1998, Margaret Weiss and then-husband Don Perrin created a game publishing company called Sovereign Press. In 1999, Paladin purchased the domain name Dragonlance.com from its previous owner and hosted his World of Kryn website there. The 2000s were probably the peak of Dragonlance fandom and popularity, And also, sadly, the other end of that peak is a cliff. Jim Butler from Wizards of the Coast announced in 2000 that Wizards would no longer publish Dragonlance products. Tracy Hickman, with fans from the Dragonlance-L mailing list, formed what they called the Whitestone Council. That was to create the Dragonlance Nexus, a website that would adapt Dragonlance to the new 3rd edition rules for Dungeons & Dragons. This website would quickly become the official Dragonlance website where news, interviews, articles, and a podcast would originate from. In 2002 and 2003, it would merge with Paladin's World of Crim. During that period, Sovereign Press would acquire the license to produce official Dragonlance products, and the Nexus would give Margaret Weiss the Dragonlance.com domain name. In 2004, Sovereign Press would become Margaret Weiss Productions. In 2007, Wizards decided not to renew any third-party licenses for D&D. Many speculated that this meant Hasbro was going to sell Dungeons & Dragons, and a lot of people in the hobby declared this in many places with certainty. But in 2020, we know this was never the case. I've never been a fan of internet speculation once people begin to assert things that are based on very little evidence, so I just wanted to point this single case out. In 2008, with the license expired, Margaret Weiss Productions produced the last Dragonlance game product. Dragonlance.com was eventually taken down in 2011. The last novel to be published was The Fate of Thorbarden by Douglas Niles in January 2010. Dragonlance was continually in print with new materials, generally from 1984 until 2011. That's 27 years. It is now being defunct for a third of that time, nine years. With a list of novels linked to the setting over 190, as well as comic books, video games, and a movie, it was a prolific series and one of my favorites. I'm actually shocked that I can no longer go into a bookstore and see an entire wall of Dragonlance books. Will it make a comeback? Maybe. But only if the fandom grows, and that likely requires Wizards of the Coast to grow it by producing new media for it. So what is the basic story behind this epic setting? the gods of good, evil, and neutrality created the world, and each chose a primary race to represent them. Paladine, highest of the gods of good, chose the elves. Tacasus, highest of the gods of evil, chose the ogres. Gillian, highest of the neutral gods, chose humans. Later, some ogres who saw themselves as beginning to be tainted by Tacasus, appealed to Paladine, and he allowed them to worship him, creating the Irida race. Reorcs, The neutral god of craft created the Grey Gem of Gargath, and he claims to have accidentally trapped the over-god Chaos inside. This gem moved through the world and split the dwarves, gnomes, and kender into separate races, as well as creating new creatures and subraces. Tachesis tried to conquer the world with evil dragons early on, but a coalition of races and good dragons stopped her. Centuries later, the worshippers of the gods of good rose to power in Istar, and eventually a man called the King Priest demanded the gods remove evil from the world. They punished his insolence by throwing a fiery mountain at the world. This event was called the Cataclysm. It took many post-apocalyptic centuries for people to recover from this, and when they had, Tachesis again tried to conquer the world with evil dragons, and was again stopped by a coalition of races and good dragons. The overgod Chaos was then released from the Grey Gem of Gargath by the Irda, and Tachesis and Paladine, as well as the other gods, races, and dragons, joined to stop him from destroying the world. After this, the gods agreed to leave the world, but Tachasis tricked them and hid the world away, as she attempted to become a monotheistic god over the world. This plot was thwarted when a secret god named Mina, who was left on the world, stopped Tachasis, and the other gods returned to punish her. She died, and Paladine became a mortal elf. In the next episode, I will continue with Dragonlance. I'll take a look at the story, themes, and characters within the setting. This has been History and D&D. Hadad, and I hope your day is free of thunderbolts.